0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, another week closer to actual football. I could see it on your face. I could see the smile. I see the you know what type of grin. You're ready for football, aren't you? Yes.
2: It's the second half of, half of August, Jimmy. We've passed the middle of August. That means we're headed down the stretch run. September 2nd is just around the corner. I mean, two more weekends. Two.
1: I know. I know, Andy. And I w- I was just in state college yesterday. I picked up my press credentials, drove around the stadium. <laughs> it's in the air, Andy. It's in the air. All right. Well, with that in mind, I think it's time to do a bit of a team preview. As yeah. you mentioned, it's, we're past mid-August. We're kind of, I guess, past the midway point of training camp for the team. So we've got a lot of information coming out from there also. I wanted to get your take on the team, and let's kind of get through it, Andy. There's such high expectations. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with, if you're a Penn State fan, it's where we always have to start talking, and that's the offensive line. For years now, we've been saying, you know what? This is the year. Andy, is this the year for the offensive line? Maybe.
2: Maybe, Jimmy. It could be. I'm not saying it should be, I'm saying it could be. It will not it wouldn't be a surprise if it was. There are some squeaky concerns that I have, not like anything big, right? But there's just some devil in the details concern. I think on the plus side, you know, and by concerns I don't always mean problems. I mean just things that you know, good and you Know maybe some things that I can, you know, have issues with or questions about, those can be concerns too. But, but on um, you can have concern things on the positive side because you think I'm not willing to put it out there that I think this could be it, but I, I think that's a positive. So, having said that, they're using kid gloves on Olu this spring as they should, right? Or not spring, I'm sorry, in camp, they should be using that on a guy at this level that doesn't concern me at all, but there is like, well, they're kind of not playing him all the time. He's (sighs) that. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I, I do have concerns about Landon Tangwall being, you know, MIA in this camp. He's James, you know, sort of James said it. He's got, he's battling bumps and bruises, but he really doesn't talk injuries. Okay. Well, what does that mean? But I, I just think that, that is a little bit of a speed bump for this group. Uh, He's really important. He just solidifies the left side of that offensive line with Olu, and he's coming off an injury as well. There's a clear position battle going on at right tackle between Caden Wallace and Drew Shelton, and Wallace has been, to me, underwhelming, and Shelton is making a move from left tackle to right tackle. You know, that's... That's not something that you just turn your nose about. Well, you just switch and tackles. That's not it. Right tackle is the sort of position of concern for me on the offensive line. I'm not even going to talk about Hunter Norzad's move to center. I think he's an experienced veteran who will sooner than later work himself into the leadership role that this offensive line needs. There's, they've got talent. They have a wealth of experience and they have young depth emergent. They're going to need to be above average, right? They're, I think the offensive line for this offense is going to need to be an impact possession uh, position to help cover up for the greenhorn quarterbacks and the lack of known talent at wide receiver. Plus, the best asset on this side of the ball are the young running backs. They could use a couple holes every now and then, right? So... My last thought on the offensive line is I just want to say Sal Wormley all he does is quietly play solid right guard, take on position battles and win, be a little bit overlooked in my opinion and a li- and very underappreciated. He's not at all a flashy starter, uh, starter. He is simply reliable, durable, and does his job. That is really sort of what you hope this offensive line becomes. And the more they have their top five or six guys in there, the better off they're going to be.
1: Andy, I'm probably more positive about the offensive line than you. I think the two standout items, you have a superstar on your offensive line and he's at the most important position, left tackle in Olu, of course. They also have some depth, which it's been forever yes. since they've had that. And that comes in handy at the offensive line. Remember, end of last year, we were seeing three non-starters starting. So having some depth is, is really important. Uh, my areas are of concern, matchers, Landon Tangwall, the bumps, the bruises, I was counting on he, along with Olu, just creating that really, really solid left side of the offensive line. Hopefully that will happen. And what James Franklin describes as mere bumps and bruises are merely bumps and bruises. Andy, the other area of concern for us Penn State fans has been wide receiver and what you're going to get there. They made the changeover in uh, coaches at the position. It sounds like James Franklin is pretty happy with Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace at the top. You need a third starter and you need depth at that position. Based on everything you're hearing, reading the tea leaves through camp, what's your impression there? Are they answering any of those questions?
2: No. I, I, James just, he just challenged the wide receiver rooms and the players in there to start separating themselves from the pack. I think he's a little, for him to say that, it just means he's a little weary of the inconsistency. Good one day, not quite up to stuff. Spectacular catch here. One guy making a spectacular catch and then going three, four, five days without shining, you know. It basically looks like, you know, everyone's at sort of the same level. He is challenged them to start separating themselves. I don't think he's putting the pressure on the position coach on Marcus Higgins. He's and and Yursich is sort of a uh, he's not an offensive coordinator that meddles with his position group. So I think they're sort of giving Marcus the the sort of freedom that he needs to bond and you know become you know have a strong room in his image and likeness as a coach and I think they've done that and they've done a really good job of that and now James is just saying like okay but now this is on the players I need them to start separating themselves I need there to be more clarity and I think Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace are kind of I'm not putting them in that group as a, as sort of saying, you know, they're struggling this camp. He is holding them to a higher standard. And I think by James doing this, he knows how desperately important the wide receiver position is for this offense with what they have going on at the quarterback position and everything else. It it is a really, they are sort of the turnkey linchpin, however you want to put it. They have options. Yeah. Keandre Lambert Smith. He's a big play waiting to happen. Trey Wallace, he can stretch the field. You know, Amari Evans, Malik Mega, Caden Saunders, Liam Cliffham, Anthony Ivy, Christian Driver. They've all, Malik McClain, Dante Cephas, all of them. That's a bunch of names, but all of them have clearly had moments his camp that have been good for them. But that is not good enough for James right now with what he's looking at at this position. He needs more clarity, and I think he's, he's getting – a little the clock's ticking right like we we just said ha we're only two weekends away the clock's ticking too and he's not completely comfortable with where they're at so it's not like they don't they don't have any idea what's going on at wide receiver i think this is james saying i need more clarity from you guys moving forward
1: andy my one concern um dante Cephas. I think when he first came in, the impression everybody had was he could be the 1 or 1A. It appears we haven't seen that yet. James Franklin's comments about him, I'm going to call it a little bit of damning with faint praise. And it's interesting because there was just uh, an article by a national writer that I saw recently that listed top 50 wide receivers in the country and he had one Penn State receiver listed, and it was Dante Cephas, which surprised me. I'm not sure what to make of it so far. With what uh, James Franklin has said about Cephas, we we will see if that's uh, the case. Go ahead, you had a comment.
2: Yeah, Dante, Dante, it was slow. The, his transition was slow. It was a bigger jump than he expected coming over in May from Kent State. Penn State does it differently practice was run differently. He was a little slow on the adjustment side. And I think he's one of the guys through camp and through the first month of the season, he is a productive receiver. He's done it at the FBS level. You will eventually see that from him. You're just not going to see it right from the jump, but I think uh, through camp and you get him a month and he will see some snaps and make some catches He will start to be more comfortable in his own skin at this level. It's just he didn't make the adjustment as quick as he thought he could or maybe as quick as the Penn State staff thought he would. It's not that he can't figure it out. It's just he's needed more time to get himself comfortable in his own skin at this level. But I think at the end of the day, I think he will be one of the major contributors after you look at the 12-game regular season.
1: Andy, you know, I hear that, and I hear that theory. I still have my concerns there. You I realize he came in late. It wasn't as like he was here in the spring, went through spring practice, you know, the spring game, all of that. But he's a veteran, you know. he's Correct. He's done it supposedly at this level, and you can't. We don't see enough practices to say, gee, we see the progress or we see the lack of progress in that way. A lot of it we have to do based on, okay, what we do see in practice, where is he in the reps? Where does he go? Second, third in order. He hasn't bumped himself to the front of the line yet. And as I said, James Franklin, he does, he's pretty honest with the media. So, With his praise of Dante Cephas, he's saying all positive things, but it's not the, hey, this guy's getting to the head of the line. Andy, unfortunately, that's it for quarter number one. We'll pick up the conversation in quarter two. Obviously, we got a lot more positions to get through. for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante. He is Andy Shea. We're doing kind of a team preview as we have pretty much at the halfway point through training camp with the team. And, Andy, uh, we, we started on the offensive side of the ball, and we got all the way through two position <laughs> groups. So <laughs> let, let's keep things moving. Let's hit tight end. I think we know what we got at the top. The first two guys, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, They were part of the three-headed monster from last year. I thought the only question going into camp is, how does number three shape up? Do you have a number three that you have some confidence in? And I mentioned, you know, uh, handling Dante Cephas with faint praise. I think it's the opposite with Cleo Dinkins. They're really talking him up. They seem to be comfortable they've got three three tight ends that they could use.
2: So – I look at the tight ends a little differently. You were looking at who emerges as a number three. I think with the state of the whiteouts, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, two experienced players that are known, they could elevate in this offense and be different make, difference makers for Penn State. I think there is a great potential for that. If they elevate in the manner in which Brenton Strange took the position to a year ago, and with the talent that Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren have, that isn't a stretch, Jimmy. That's not like saying these guys got to, you know, go three levels up and be so great. That's not a stretch. This offense and the quarterback will benefit greatly. If Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are more known quantities as tight ends than, you know, than they were a year ago, the the more the tight end position is talked about through September and into October, I think the better this Penn state offense is functioning. That is my take on the tight ends and they've got the guys to do it. They really do. And it's sort of, to me in all of the offensive side of the ball, it's the hidden gem. I really think it's going to be important.
1: I just used the word. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable with where they were at tight end. I'm comfortable with where they are and I'm comfortable with the future. So Let's, let's move on. That's That, to me, and that's probably why they're, you know, forgotten or the hidden gem, as you call them, Andy, because, hey, we're all confident that they're going to be very good. Speaking of very good, let's talk running backs. I, you had two true freshmen last year just take off, both of them beyond expectations. Andy, could they be any better this year?
2: You would expect them to a little bit you want to talk about the word comfortable and I'm even going down to, you know, pots the transfer from Minnesota is from Williamsport as an RB three comfortable, confident. If, if they pick up and take a, a baby step or two forward from where they left off last year, that's going to be more than enough than this offense needs. They're that good. You're not going to see huge jumps. They're that they're just, they revealed their talent. Uh, right away, and they spent the entire year doing it. It's not like they're going to stall, but the games that you're going to see are going to be smaller because it's going to be baby steps. Pick up where you left off, comfortable, confident. They are going to be the centerpiece of this offense.
1: That's it. And, Andy, you know, I mentioned tight end, comfortable, past, present, future. It sounds like they got two pretty good youngsters, too, with the freshmen who are showing a bit also. So it'll be interesting to see if they get any play, even if it's just the four games that preserves their red shirt. Andy, all that's left is quarterback. And I, the thing is, as talented as the team is around Drew Aller, is I know in the past you've talked about They merely need him to be competent because they're so good around him. I think the problem is, since they're so good around him, there's going to be pressure on him to raise the level of the whole team because that's the one area, even though he's a five-star, this will be his first opportunity as the starter and no more important position than quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think we look at... We might look at the quarterback position and Drew Aller a little differently. He's a true sophomore and a first-year starter. He has more pure talent than any quarterback James Franklin has put out there, 100%. He is a second-year player and a first-year starter. That is what I want to emphasize. He's capable and confident. That I don't have any doubt about how long will it take for him to make his talent to shine? That's it. How long does it take? Because it's going to come through, Jimmy, because he just has too many tools in his toolkit. How long does it take? I think one of the sort of things that I think is helping him more than anything is he has to play against that defense every single day. In other words, they're going to demand a level of excellence that not many teams in the country are going to face practice in and practice out at the quarterback position. And I'm talking from pressure. I'm talking from elite corners and, and ball hawking safeties and uh, linebackers that'll you know r- wreck your plays. He's facing a lot every practice in and out, and that is going to help him just a little bit. But how long is he comfortable and confident And able to make his talent shine. That's the only question for me, Jimmy, is how long it takes. Because, you know, he's going to need to put a little tread on his tires. That is all that it will be. That's it. I think tempered expectations, but he could end up
1: shining and start. I I think he will. I think he's given every indicator. I think some of the pressure is going to be, I'm going to put some of the pressure on me and my fellow Penn State fans don't overreact when there's a mistake early it will happen yep it happens to every quarterback and especially to a young one my question is how quickly could he just forget about it move on to the next play you can make a mistake but don't come compound it by dwelling on it letting it get you down so um I'm very confident, I think, in everything he showed. And I will give James Franklin credit also for the amount of play he gave him last year. That's a change in James Franklin's playbook. We went for years where he could, James Franklin would be up 30 points and still not put the backup quarterback in. He changed that last year, uh, and there's probably multiple reasons for it, but I'm glad that he did. All right, Andy, let's make the switch over to the defensive side of the ball. A lot of fun things to talk about. Yep. I'm going to start at uh, yeah, my favorite place. Let's talk about the defensive end. You're sure. starting with three studs and a couple more guys that makes you... James Franklin talks about being two-and-a-half deep at a position. He's two-and-a-half deep at defensive end.
2: He is two and a, he, he's two-and-a-half deep, and... I think the three he's going to rotate to start, which is Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and Denai Dennis Sutton, individually could they have the potential to each be elite. But I need this this trio, I need that trio to become finishers and be wrecking balls when it comes to finishing. They only combined for twelve point five sacks in 13 games last year. Now Overall Penn State had 43 quarterback takedowns last year. So, they bring Manny Diaz is going to bring pressure from a variety of sources, right? That's not going to change. But I don't think a sack a game from this group is good enough for me in 2023. There there's not much to to pick at. Why not hold them to a higher standard? They've got everything you could possibly ask for under the sun in terms of talent and variety, skill sets. You know, they're Chop Robinson. Most places is viewed as one of the top five defensive ends and pass rushers in the country. I think I need more than a sack per game from this group with the Big Ten schedule. I think they're going to need it. That is it from the defensive ends there. They do have two and a half deep injuries will have a they will injuries at that position would not help this defense, but it
1: will not hurt this defense. Exactly. Talent, depth, no no concerns with the defensive ends. Just like wide receiver, defensive tackle, Andy, the other spot that uh, Penn State fans dwell on, true, they don't have that 335-pound guy to just plant in the middle that he just takes up multiple blockers. They don't have that guy. However... They have a lot of other guys. There is depth there, and I think there is development among this group, Andy, that they're going to be better than the people who have so many concerns. That's my feeling.
2: Yeah, I'm not – I I have marginal concerns, both good and bad, about the defensive tackle rotation. I think – we know there's going to be four of them. I think they will – Will be a rotation, and I think we're comfortable saying that all four of them, you know, will be somewhere in an equal s- snap count. They will be an interesting position to follow because I think they are going to be flat up challenged in the first month. I think a couple of the Penn State's opponents in the first month will go right at them and test them and and see what they got. They've got cover behind them, <laughs> they've got help right behind them uh, which we will get to but can they hold up in their you know two to two and a half yard area or or are they going to be pushed and moved so that the linebackers have to do even more so that's the only thing I'm going to be following is when they are when they when a team attacks them and identifies them as as where they're going to go after them can they hold up and do their end of the share? And I don't, by that, I don't mean they aren't shutting a team down. They are holding serve because that's pretty much all you can expect from this group is to hold serve and to be average or just a little above average. If you think they're going to be elite and great, you're, you're wrong because they're not talented like that, but I like what they have.
1: There's elite and great at other positions. You don't have to be elite and great at every position And I believe what's encouraging with this group, Andy, is the individual improvement of players. Akeem Beeman, the knock on him has been his size. And you know, James Franklin has always brought that up. He's been talking about Akeem Beeman when he's talking about these guys being bigger. Well, he accomplished that in the offseason. It seems like, you know, we always saw Jordan Vandenberg in the weight room just doing crazy things. It feels like he's putting it together. You had Zane Durant, who was good enough as a true freshman to be out there. You think that there'll be a maturation process with him. So they are getting better as individuals. It's going to be fun to see. Andy, that's it for quarter two. We're going to take a break from our team preview. Quarter three, we got your questions. We're going to ask Andy. Stay tuned. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table... Even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy. I'm Jim. It's quarter three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions. We ask Andy. End of the segment, he'll pick out the best question. And whoever sent us that question, they win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, including those great new coffee rubs. Andy, I'll tell you what, quick administrative duties. I've been saying this all week, but I want to make sure our listeners hear it. Um, you go to the app if you want to send to Andy a question, you'll see the Ask Andy tab. But speaking of the app, we've changed hosts on it. We've updated changing things. Go to the App Store or hit your update button for the app so that you could get the latest stuff. But part of that transfer process to the new uh, new host for our app, some of the things got lost in the shuffle, including our winners over the last several weeks. I'm asking you, if you were a winner, didn't hear from me, or didn't get that... Just send me an email, info at ksnsports.net, and we will take care of you. All right, Andy, you ready to roll?
2: Fire away, Jimmy.
1: Let's start with Bobby and Lewis Berry, who says, Andy, this will most likely be James Franklin's most talented team. I'm concerned, though, about some of Franklin's game day decisions. Is my concern warranted? Yes, Bobby,
2: yes, because, it you know, of of all of the assets that James Franklin has sort of between the lines on Saturday is the lesser of his strengths. And, but I also think he has put an offensive and defensive coordinator in position and is at a comfort level that I think he is going to be strictly focused on the high level decisions And I think he's learned from his mistakes a little bit. And I think he is, he's never lacking confidence, but I think he is, he appears to be a more confident Saturday sideline coach over the last 18 months, in my opinion. And I think going through the COVID year in 2021 helped him and taught him a lot about himself as a head coach. And he's learned, and he's learned from it. So I think not only does he have his most talented team, I think in terms of a sideline boss, I'm not sure he's ever been better at it than he is right now.
1: Andy, I'm not concerned about it. I think it gets overplayed, overstated. But anytime you do, even when you make a great decision, if the players don't execute it, coach gets blamed for that decision. You go for it on fourth and one. You make it. What a great call. The players make a mistake. Don't make it. What an awful call. And what confirmed this take for me, Alabama fans have been critical about Nick Saban. Whatever I read an Alabama fan critical of a Saban decision, I think, you know what? If they could get on him, you could get on any coach. All right, Andy, let's go to Jack in Bedford who says, hey, Andy. As someone who's followed college football professionally for so many years, like yourself, how would you say that you watch the game differently than the everyday fan?
2: I don't, I don't, uh, I don't follow the football a lot. Interesting. I, 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 you know, generally, I would say, I don't know, Jimmy, you're a fan, and you can answer my question. Do you, you watch the football? Right, like you follow the football. I don't follow the football. And I am most intent on um, not the first three seconds of a play. If I'm watching a certain group or position, I'm always I'm I'm more intent on watching the final three seconds of a play, and you know, or the second half of a play. However, you want to break that down, but you know, I don't ball watch a lot, and I I like I enjoy. Watching set up, so I'm paying attention to pre-snap both sides of the ball. Um, I, I I can you know sort of learn some things about what positions are doing and how guys are playing by getting in a groove pre-snap and not knowing the play, but understanding what they're trying to execute and do, and that helps. That's how I watch the game more differently than anybody else.
1: I tell you what, Andy, I'm a We're fan, constant. and i do I do watch the ball. that's the natural instinct, but I tell you what I've learned over the years from doing this show and talking to a lot of our guys who are the experts on this. I rewatch every game I'm yes. usually home games, I'm there, I come home I'll rewatch the game, but what I will do, and this is what I advise people to do if you see a big play, let's say a sack. The defensive end, he made a great play, makes the sack. Rewatch it, hit the pause button, and you will learn. Did the offensive line actually make the mistake? Or was there another defensive lineman who occupied two blockers to free up the guy who actually got credit for the sack? If you take those big plays, you'll find there's usually a mistake somewhere or someone doing something special. Or... One of the things I learned last year, when you saw Nick Singleton pop one of those big runs, replay it, you'll see, okay, the offensive line did their job. But there's usually, and it was often, Brenton Strange making a block that got him open. And watching it live, you may not see it. Rewatch the games, and that's for guys like me who don't have a life otherwise. You go back, you watch the game again, Andy. It's amazing how much you could learn. All right, let's go on to Charlie from Penn Hills. Charlie says, college football is obviously better than the NFL. That's a bold statement by Charlie, although I agree with him. But he says, if you agree, Andy, why do you think that's the case?
2: Because I I do agree. uh, and, And I like both. I don't have a problem watching both. I don't think you can replicate the passion and atmosphere that fans bring as from their school, right? Like you could be a fan of a team. I'm a Bucks fan. You're an Eagles fan. I'm passionate about my team, but it's different when you're passionate about your school. It just is. That is the diff, the sort of the atmosphere and passion that fans tied to that school bring to the stadium and the element of that game. And the other part of it of why I like it is it's, it's still becoming closer to professional than, you know, anybody wants to admit at the college level, but there's still a huge, huge element of the unknown. There's less unknown at the NFL level because they're paid skilled pros, right? They're the elite of the elite. It's a step down at the college level, and there's still that element of, of I don't know or are you kidding me? And that is the combination of those two make the college game so much more intriguing for me.
1: I'm with you, Andy. I, I like NFL. I love college football. I like the Eagles. I love the Nittany Lions. And well, there's a passion there. You know, I would never say we with the Eagles as a Penn State grad. I'll say we with Penn State football, but I think also with college and I agree with all of the things you say, you know, the passion, the the tailgating. It's an all it's an event to go to a Penn State game beyond the game itself, but also on the field. There's a lot more variety in what teams will do, what kind of offenses they play you won't see somebody running the army offense in the NFL. And they use that as the equalizer. And there's also, for good or for bad, in the NFL, those are the elite of the elite. No one was going to have a great physical advantage over another guy too often in the NFL, like you do in college football, where players can stand out a little bit more because of it. So... Yeah, I I am in agreement uh with who is that Charlie there. College football is the much better game. All right, let's go with um let's go with Larry and Trenton. Andy, what are you looking for with Drew Aller to show that he is developing?
2: Really, really good question, Larry. So for me, what I will be looking for is over like eight quarters at a time in two game sets, right? Uh, mistakes and decision-making are becoming more clear yeah. and mistakes are sort of becoming uh, less prevalent or they're minimized, right? That is progress in phase one. And overall from game one through game two, you know, 13 because they're going to end up going to a bowl game or being the college football playoffs or however that looks, however many games they play, is I think one of the keys for Drew Aller, especially with the wide receiver positions, and make the easy throws look easy. In other words, that's what he could control your footwork, your cadence. You know, things like that. Be in sync with your offense. Make the easy stuff relevant and look easy. Make your, you know, your four-yard throws. Make them good. Don't be, you know, don't be throwing an interception on a flare pass to a DN that goes for a pick six the other way. Make the easy throws look easy. And he controls that. That's all about, you know, understanding the simplicity, what his minimum standard is his footwork, his positioning, his pocket presence, all of that kind of stuff is stuff that he controls. So make the easy stuff look relatively easy because the hard stuff is going to be a hard mountain for him to climb, you know, being in difficult spots, reading defenses on a consistent basis, that kind of stuff.
1: Andy, I agree with you, but I'm going to frame it a little bit different. Uh, You mentioned in there like the footwork and talking with some people who know these things better than me and watching review the tape, when Drew Aller makes a mistake, makes a bad throw on one of those easy passes, look at his feet, look at the footwork. And it's not that he doesn't know how to do it, but it's an easy way. If he he makes a mistake on a pass, which you think is an easy pass, hit the replay button on it and look where his feet are. Is he stepping into the pass? Is he stepping towards the receiver? Or is he flat-footed? And I think, Andy, that's focus. That's the make sure you're doing it on every single play. Don't let a play get away from you. You can't give that up at this level. Andy, that went quick, but that is it for quarter three. Ask Andy. Stick around quarter four. We'll start with Andy naming our winner. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy, I'm Jim. It's quarter number four. Andy, this has been our team preview show, but we had to interrupt that for quarter three and ask Andy. Now you have to get to work. Pick out a winner for me.
2: Yeah, four good ones again. Uh, I like Jack and Bedford. Uh, I, I kind of tipped my hand during the segment. I was ah, that was a good question. It was fun and it was a little, you know, outside the box as you called it. You know, as you would say, off the beaten path. Um, I liked it. So Jack and Bedford, congratulations.
1: Well, Jack asked the uh, question. Uh, about how Andy, as a professional at this, he watches a game differently, and that's, that's a fun topic. Jack, will be getting in touch with you. All right, Andy, let's get back to our team preview. We went through the offense. We started with the defensive line. We hit both the DNs and the D tackles. Let's move our way back. Linebackers, what a fun position. I, I feel like obligated anytime I mention linebackers this year to point out where we were a year ago where there were no proven uh, linebackers. Curtis Jacobs was coming off injury. Abdul Carter was Abdul who, you know, To right. we didn't know. We heard some good things about him. Uh, we didn't know what was going to happen at middle linebacker. Boy, have things changed in a year.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'm going to – the only thing I think I need to say about the linebacker position, other than the fact that they're elite at the top, they have depth to burn, and they're productive. Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, and Tyler Elston—they were two, three, and four in tackles for the Nittany Lions a year ago, with hundred and fifty-plus combined tackles. That's that's pretty much all you need to know. There's a bunch of other stats that you could throw out with it. In other words, they're productive. They, they do their job and they do it well. All the flashing stuff—it still comes down to. Are they productive at this position? Whether they're playing two of them or three of them, it doesn't matter with this group. They're still productive. 150 plus combined tackles between those three guys. I think this linebacker core is going to be one of the elite groups in college football this year. They certainly have that potential, Jimmy.
1: I'm going to give my two questions here is where are they in the quarterback? I'm sorry, the middle linebacker competition? between King and Elsden. Elsden was nicked up a bit during the spring. King got a lot more reps. And my second question with the linebackers, it's actually for Manny Diaz. How is he going to use them? Because there's so many different players to use, number one. And number two, those elite guys at the top, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs. How do you make best use of them? Where do you put them? How do you play him? You know, Abdul Carter is so elite at getting to the quarterback. Do you put him on the edge? Do you put him in the middle? I like him that where he was when he was in the middle, spying the quarterback. And boy, when the quarterback tries to get out of the pocket, he just shoots out like a rocket. Bam. Makes his decision quick, gets there quick, and then lays down the lumber. So it, it's going to be a fun group to watch there, Andy. Let's go to the defensive backfield. Uh, let's start at cornerback, where the first two, you know, King, Dixon, you got to be very happy with that at the very top. The question becomes, where are you with the number three and four cornerback, right? Yeah.
2: I think for Penn State's defense— and, and safety is in a similar position, but I think safety has significantly more options. They're looking, they've got at least three or four for one is basically safety. They don't need us. They don't need a starter. They need a three and a four at corner. And I think it is, and will continue to be the most competitive position battle in on defense. In my opinion is Who is going to back up King and Dixon and who identifies himself as those two number twos behind those guys? And of those two, who's going to get on the field first and be the three? Uh, I still think all four will at points in this season play because that's how Manny Diaz cooks, right? We know that. That's how Manny Diaz cooks as a coordinator. When he's got a lead at the top, he figures out a way to mix and match his three and four guys out of position. It's not a matter of one and two. It's who identifies themselves as three and four and what does Manny Diaz see as their roles and how they're used. That It's not like a question mark because I don't think they lack for options per se. I think they are simply trying to figure out who's the best of the rest. Because the two that they have starting are clearly elite. Right, Jimmy? Yeah.
1: yeah, And I think the question is, is Daquan Hardy, who can be really good in the slot, is he your third best cornerback on the outside? And is he used that way? I think they do that. It shows that you don't have two other guys ready to step in. I agree. I prefer to see Daquan Hardy stay in the slot. That means two other guys have stepped up. Uh, let's hit safety before we – I'm going to ask you before we end a little bit about the coaching staff, Andy, but let's hit the safeties first. You alluded to it. They're four deep here, or two deep with the two positions, four guys ready to play. I think this is – I my question is the same here as it was in the linebacker. I think the biggest variable is just how do you use those four guys? You know the, all four will play. So I think you're, I think
2: you're stable. Like you, you want to, yes, I agree with you. I think they're looking for a rock, right? Like who's the rock? Who's the safety that's going to garner a majority of the time, even when they're rotating guys, his rotation is the least and the less. I just feel Keaton Ellis is, is going to be the rock. I, I really do. But I think between Jalen Reed Winston and Zaki Wheatley, who all have, you know, who are all experienced. I don't know. I think this is to me at times, Jimmy, I feel this will be the toughest, a bit of the toughest challenge for Manny Diaz as the coordinator, because all of them could be starters. All of them need to contribute. And all of those three guys, need to be factors in this Penn State defense. So it becomes incumbent on Manny to make it so.
1: That's not as easy as it sounds. Do you know what I mean? Well here and here's the thing Andy too to understand with Manny Diaz's defense, with the safeties, it's not okay, we have two different safeties, the free safety, strong safety, and those are the roles. There are so many additional roles. You know, are you playing in the box? Are you coming after the quarterback? And right. we've had conversations on our show about how Jair Brown was used at all three levels. Correct. And this is probably not a case of one safety is going to replace Jair Brown and everything he did. Correct. It's probably a case where all four of those guys is going to step up in a different way to replace the different roles that Jair Brown played. And so it's a, it's a chess, they're chess pieces and how does Manny Diaz use those chess pieces? And, Andy, I want to use that as a segue into, I know they're not the players on the field, but I want to do the coordinators too. Let's start with Manny Diaz because we're leading into it. He, I can't imagine another defensive coordinator I would be more confident in in working out how these pieces work.
2: Yeah, He's a mad scientist. I I sort of tipped my hat a year ago to Penn State fans, if you remember, during the offseason and leading into last year, of enjoy Manny Diaz while you have him, because he's going to be a head college football coach again sooner than later. Enjoy him while you have him, because as a coordinator, he's absolutely elite, if not one of the best, if not possibly the best at the way he does it, that sort of mad scientist way, when he has chess pieces to play with, nobody is better in the country. And I'm like, just sit back, give him a few weeks, and enjoy the ride because he's really good at this and he's got some pieces. He had more pieces than we thought with all those young players and look what he did with it. And I think... You can expect it to be different and better in a different kind of way this year, Jimmy, because he's got more of it and he's got more salt and pepper on what he has. So this is right in his wheelhouse. This is what he does best. He's not good at sort of making chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. That's not his strength. He can do it and he can make it manageable, but this is where he absolutely excels. And Penn State's got more than enough for him to do. This is going to be fun in a different way to watch because he is going to have expectations of himself in the defense of even another level. And that is what is grab is going to grab my attention and be fun to follow. Enjoy the ride, Penn State fans. I don't think he lasts after this year.
1: Great chefs are better with great ingredients, and he's got the ingredients – and he's got a year of experience under his belt with these folks. I feel like it took a few games to figure out exactly what he had with Abdul Carter and how best to use them. He right. now has that experience with these guys. Let's go to the other side of the ball and Mike Yurcich. And I think he has showed over shown over the last couple of years something I think is really an impressive thing for a coordinator. It wasn't like, this is what I do make the pieces fit what I do, he adapted to the skill sets that he had. And I often talk about, you know, that T formation was him adapting to the fact, I have two really good running backs. I have three really good tight ends. I found a way to put them all on the field and do it effectively. I think he's got better tools, better weapons this year. And, you know, a quarterback with a big time arm that's going to be fun to watch how mike yersich handles this offense. It's how he
2: manages this offense that will be interesting to watch for me. And by that I mean, okay, so he's got a talented quarterback. He's a first-year starter in a Greenhorn. How does he manage that, you know, over 4 8 12 quarters into the season? There's so many questions at running back, right? He's got those. Ken Can he keep this offense because the running backs are elite? Can he keep this offense from becoming one dimensional, right? Or are the running backs that good that they demand this offense to be that? That's how those are the yings and yangs that I think Yersh is going to have to deal with as the coordinator.
1: And he's capable of it, and I'm fascinated to watch him navigate it. Okay, Andy, that's going to have to be it. We're another week closer to kickoff. Can't wait for it. Thank you all for listening to our show. Make sure you come back next time for more of the Keystone Kickoff Show. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.